yeah, you'll be fine. Everything's fine. You know, it wasn't until like I, I went home for Thanksgiving one year. I lost like a ton of weight, you know, and I, I like 40 pounds or something from being sick, all the medicine I was taking, whatever. And I was like, great, you know, like totally washed out. And I walked in for Thanksgiving and my, my dad's mother came in and she just looked at me and she just started sobbing. She was like, she was like, what is going on? Something is wrong. And I turned to my parents and I was like, this is how serious this actually is. Mm-hmm. But they just couldn't get it. It was really hard. you know. I think it's hard for parents especially. Welcome to the Lime Voice Network. We are chronic illness warriors, caretakers, and advocates who are overcoming illness in all of its many forms. We created this show to inspire, educate, and encourage you on your path to wellness. We're here to help you with the puzzle pieces of healing place. Join us and our network of Lyme Warriors as we discuss how fighting is a mindset, healing consists of choices, and living is the outcome. Wishing your doctors could communicate and come up with a cohesive plan specific to your medical needs and genetics? At Invita Medical Center, they offer a team-style approach giving you the opportunity to heal. In addition to a commitment of providing radical love and care for their patients, they are strategically located in sunny Arizona because Arizona offers the best integrative medical laws in the country. Call today to speak with one of their patient care coordinators. You can find them online at Invita.com. Line Voice thanks Invita Medical for the continued support. Please reach them at 1-866-830-4576. Welcome to episode 94 with Jesse Rubin. I am here with my beautiful wife, Sarah. Hello. So tell us more about this episode, babe. So Jesse Rubin is a singer-songwriter. He played at the Lime Mind Conference, and he has written a number of songs specific to his struggle with chronic Lyme disease. But this is a great interview. This one was done by Jessica Donaldson, one of our co-hosts who we love, love, love. She's the best. She's so cute, and I love hearing her accent. But this interview was so fun to listen to when it was being recorded. The thing that I love about our show is that we get fed from it in so many ways. Like we usually listen to each episode multiple times before it airs. And I learn something each and every time. I'm not even exaggerating a little bit. Yeah, every time. (laughs) And one of the big takeaways for me in this episode is uh, he said, if you're listening to this, you're my hero because you haven't given up. Yeah, that was that was really impactful. Yeah. And he talks about, you know, different aspects of treatment and not having a good attitude while being there and being pissed. his honesty. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, yeah, of course you can have a good attitude at the beginning, but yeah, because you're years into stuff. Mm -hmm. And so the dynamics change drastically. So that's what I really like about this interview is just to acknowledge that you can suffer and be suffering without losing hope. That was some of the big takeaways for me. Shout out to our sponsors, TickWarriors.com. Go to TickWarriors.com and use the source code LIMEBOYS and get 10% off. Yeah, your first time order. Uh Yep. We keep talking about prevention, guys. Ticks are everywhere. You have got to protect yourself. Year round. I'm seeing pictures on these Facebook groups of people picking ticks off of their dogs in the middle of winter. You got to get your spray. Go ahead. (laughs) Um, Another takeaway from this episode is they talk about getting to a place where you can forgive the people in your life who do not get it. And that was something that triggered a lot of conversation between you and I. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's, there are going to be people in your life who don't get it. And we are years and years into this. And I've said it so many times. Sometimes I feel like we know less than before. Mm -hmm. Um, but that it really is a journey in a process yeah. And it, and it's the same for people around us as well. It's hard for them as well just to grasp it. It's a it's it's quite a disease. It's oh, 
So one of our other sponsors is Medical Bill Gurus. And if you have are paying if you are paying cash out of pocket for treatment, which I guarantee you are if you're listening to this podcast, you need to call them because you could get reimbursed directly from your insurance company and they handle all the paperwork. It is free. You don't pay anything unless you get money back. And what was so funny about Jesse Rubin's interview, it's actually not on air. He said he submitted his bills to his insurance company, $34,000, and they sent him a check for 18 bucks. (laughs) So if you don't want to get a check back for $18 and you're hoping for more, go to medicalbillgurus.com and talk with Daniel Lynch. Yeah, Daniel can help you. (laughs) He can help you. I think another one of the really big takeaways from this episode is Jesse really encourages parents to advocate for their kids Mm -hmm. because when he got sick, he was 26. So he said, my parents didn't get it, but I could drive myself to the doctor. And kids don't have that luxury in a sense. Like kids already don't understand what's going on and if their bodies feel weird or if they're not functioning normally. And it's hard as an adult to understand. Yeah. 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 At least with you, when I wasn't understanding, you could go ahead of me and make an appointment for yourself. Most kids don't have that ability. They don't know how to make their own doctor's appointment. So, I mean, it's really limiting. It's, yeah. Yeah. So, there's great stuff in this. Jesse Rubin's really talented. He sings for us on air. And I hope you guys enjoy it. All right. Have you paid cash out of pocket for treatments, or maybe you're considering a new treatment, but you're not sure if insurance doesn't cover anything? If that's you, you've got to talk to Medical Bill Gurus. The gurus specialize in helping patients get paid for treatments at medical providers that don't accept insurance. They work all throughout the United States, Mexico, and Germany. Medical Bill Gurus is a third-party medical billing and patient advocacy service. They work on behalf of patients to bill out treatments to non-participating medical providers. And then they'll follow up. Medical Bill Guru has no upfront fee and only has a fee if you successfully receive your payment. Sign up for a free case evaluation with Daniel Lynch himself to learn if you qualify for your insurance reimbursement. And then discuss what type of insurance you should have in place before you go and spend a significant amount at those treatments. At Medical Bill Gurus, their attitude is simply this. We either win together or we lose together. But you will never have a fee unless we're successful. Give Daniel a call today. 1-800-674-7836. 1-800-674-7836. Or just simply go to medicalbillgurus.com. Make sure you check the show notes as well. We'll have a link Welcome, everybody. Jessica Donaldson again here with singer, songwriter, and Lyme activist Jesse Rubin. Welcome, Jesse. Thank you for having me. So, if you were one of the fortunate ones that caught the live stream of the Lime Mind Conference, you got to see me gush live as soon as Jesse walked on the stage and started cracking his jokes. My first comment was, I have to get him on the podcast. He is going to be a great guest. I love his attitude. And I'm sure he's going to play it off like, yeah, okay, whatever. But Yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> but I was totally stoked to see another person in the Lyme community that was kind of a little twisted humor with it. Because you need it. <laughs> totally. So give us a little bit of an overview of your journey and what kind of what your diagnosis is and what it's been like so far. Yeah, um, I I started getting sick on Christmas Day of 2012. I remember that because we went to see as a Jew on Christmas, you go to the movies and we went to see that Les Mis movie. Right. It was like, and it was like really long. And I remember being like, I had like a scratchy throat and I was like, oh man, I'm going to wake up sick tomorrow. Also, I hated the movie, but that is irrelevant. And so, because I was sick. And so I, I, so I, I had just started dating my girlfriend at the time and I got this, I woke up the next day with a fever and a sore throat, the whole thing. And I was like, oh, I got the flu. This sucks. Mm. 
But then it lasted, it just lasted weeks and weeks and weeks. And my fever was not going down. And I had like, you know, I was up to like 103, 104. And um, we had just started dating. And I like my really strong memory of the beginning of our relationship was I was just sleeping on my girlfriend's wooden floor because it was like much cooler, you know, mm -hmm. than the bed. And that went away. And then after like a, a month or two, and then uh, I was fine for a couple weeks. And then I started having these weird things start happening to me where I would get really nauseous for no reason. And I would have to like go home and lie down. And that was happening more and more. And I started getting kind of like achy and dizzy. And, um, I, you know, I started going to the doctor. And of course, they told me I was fine. And then I went back to the doctor. We got all these blood tests. You're totally fine. Um, and I sort of just went on like a downward spiral for the next like six to nine months of just feeling worse and worse and worse. And like, just feeling like I had this crawling sensation under my skin, which wouldn't go away, which was really freaking me out. And, um, I started seeing all these different specialists and, you know, nobody could tell me what was wrong, but they all told me that I was going to be fine. And, um, I went to like 15 doctors in nine months and finally, you know, I, I just had a million symptoms and I remember just like freaking out and constantly I was like doing research online and I finally on some random website downloaded a PDF at like 4.30 in the morning that had like possible Lyme symptoms on it. And it was the first time I saw everything that was wrong with me in one place. Wow. And so I was like, okay, so I think this is what I have. And then I started asking everyone I know, do you know someone with Lyme disease? Do you know someone with Lyme disease? Do you know someone with Lyme disease? And I started talking to friends of friends of friends and all these things. And they recommended a doctor's office to me in New York called the Marson Center. And I, uh, I went there and then I basically was there almost every day for like two and a half years. And I basically stopped working. I stopped doing anything really, except going to the doctor and trying to get better. And yeah, it was a really crazy time. Is it an inpatient program? Uh, no, it's just a doctor's office. I just, like, okay. I was just getting, you know, I was, I started on, I guess I didn't start going there that much, but I started on IV antibiotics and then mm -hmm. I switched to, uh, I started on oral antibiotics, sorry. And then I went to IV antibiotics and and the IV, I was doing three to five days a week. Um, but I had all kinds of crazy stuff happen. Like, you know, I tried a treatment called uh, Rocephin, which is like a, a antibiotic, right? So it's like we started uh, on the Doxy, and then we were going to try Rocephin, um, except uh, Rocephin is an offshoot of penicillin, but I didn't know that. And I also didn't know I was allergic to penicillin. So I uh, paid money to teach, to have them teach me how to inject myself with a very large needle. And then I woke up the next day just covered in hives. Whoa. I was allergic to row seven. And I remember I went back into the doctor's office and I was like, well, I don't feel as tingly or nauseous anymore. Now I'm just really itchy and I'm comfortable. <laughs> and they were, and I was like, you know, is that a good thing? Like, like if that's the case, I'll just keep, I'll just keep doing this treatment. I don't care if I'm allergic. And they were like, yeah, you, you can't inject yourself with something you're allergic to, you're, you'll die. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so I, you know, I, and then, you know, at one point I was taking like 80, I had 80 pills a day. I had like this huge, uh, sup vitamin supplement medicine schedule. Um, that was like basically, you know, wake up before breakfast, during breakfast, after breakfast in the late morning before lunch, you know, just the whole thing. I have a suitcase full of medicine in my closet that I, like can't get rid of because I feel like it was such a hilariously huge financial investment. Mm -hmm. um, and after like two, a little over two years, we basically got to the end of their treatment ideas. And uh, this doctor named Jerry Simon, who works out of that office, suggested we try something that they call the Garcia protocol, which is a combination of chelation and ozone. And it's an IV and I did it twice a week for three or four months and totally saved my life. And I have no idea why, and I don't care. And I, 
<laughs> That's know. how I am with anything that works. I do not care why it works. Yeah. Just if it's a placebo effect, who cares? I do not care if it yeah. works. It works for me. Yeah. So I, yeah, I, you know, what I tell people about it is like, I don't know if I believe in God, but I super believe in chelation and ozone. You know. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> just terrible. Just and and so, hold on a second, Jen. Jen, what are you doing? That's okay. Sorry, I live in an apartment in Brooklyn, and my wife is making noise in the kitchen. Oh, it's Um, totally fine. We have everybody's been from New York lately that I've interviewed. Every single one. Maybe it's a sign. Doctors are. You should. Yeah, it is. They're doing some great things up there. Y'all really got a hold on the Lyme activism. I've seen a lot of stuff coming great out of there. We're trying. Where yeah. are you based? I'm in Mississippi. Oh, uh, wow. Lime Voice is in Colorado. Mm-hmm. And then I work with another nonprofit, Lime Warrior, that's in Virginia. And that's my long-term plan to get up there yeah. and start my own little commune or something. Right. Yeah. I want to be a cult leader without the Kool-Aid. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Sorry, what so did we- you ask me? <laughs> you want to join? I'll send you an application. Yeah, you <laughs> no, you're fine. So fighting is not necessarily a physical act. I mean, oftentimes it is, but it's all—it's more a mindset. What are some of those outside of treatments and medications and things? What are some of those things that you had to change within yourself to enter remission and healing with Lyme disease? So I wish I had a good answer for this question, but like I was not one of those people, you know, I, I, you know, I saw a lot of the same people every day when you're going to get that many IVs. And there were, there were a lot of people there that were like, I'm sick now. I probably won't be forever. I'm just going to stay positive and everything's going to be great. That was not me. I was like, this sucks. I hate this. My life is over. Like I'm not getting just because, you know, you start that way and then mm-hmm. day after day after day after day after day of like, you know, not wanting to go to bed because I know I'm going to be worse in the morning and then waking up and just feeling that wave of fatigue, nausea, like you just feel like you're going insane. And so, I, you know, and, and when people ask me, like, what was Lyme like for you? One of my answers is like Lyme disease takes everything about your life that makes you happy and takes it away from you. So like because I had all these uh, I had really bad brain fog and my short term memory was really bad and I couldn't concentrate. So I wasn't watching movies. I would like put Netflix on and then just like I would watch it and completely forget what I had watched. Right. So like Mm. I wasn't reading books. I wasn't listening to music. I didn't pick up a guitar for like a really long time, you know like months at a time until I would have these like brief glimpses of my brain fog would sort of like clear away for a couple of hours. And I would be like, Oh my God, I I can play. And then it would come back. And I, you know, it just, it, it was just so frustrating and so upsetting and so difficult. You know, I, I think the mental, besides the physical aspect, the mental aspect is so hard to deal with. And then but because of all the physical stuff, I didn't even want to deal with the the mental stuff, you know, like, mm-hmm. so my parents w- were very big on like, you're depressed, you're just depressed, there's nothing wrong with you, you're just depressed. And the way that I responded to that was like, was treating what I have for depression is like cleaning the dishes while the house is on fire, right? Like, there's a time and a place for that, but there's a bigger issue here. And so I'm sure that I would have benefited from some of that medication at the time, but I was so focused and so obsessed on physically getting my symptoms to disappear that the mental stuff I couldn't even handle. So did you have to tackle that kind of after your physical body started healing? Like it was just too big of a, of a mountain to climb almost to get your physical up there and your mental at the same time. Well, so you think, so I would have this thought in my head, like, Oh, if I, you know, once I get better, once my physical symptoms go away, you know, my life will get better. Once my physical symptoms go away, I'll be happy. Once my physical symptoms go away, everything will be fine. And then I was really fortunate to find this treatment that worked and put my physical symptoms in remission and then I was like waiting for this like wave of joy to come over me. But I had gone through so much over the previous 
you know, three years, I was constantly worried, especially for the first year, like that for no reason whatsoever, all my symptoms were going to come back. You mm-hmm. know, I was like constantly waiting for the bottom to drop out. Um, I'm a little better now, but like being outside, being on grass, being in rural areas like that, that was like used to drive me crazy. It still does, but I'm like, I also want to be like a functioning person in the world. You know, Mm -hmm. like one of my friends just got married in upstate New York, like in a field. And I was like, wow, what? Why Why would you do this? I know. I know. (laughs) Yeah. But she did. And so I went and I was like covered in Ranger Ready, Ranger Ready tick repellent. And I brought Mm -hmm. a bottle and gave it to everybody, you know, like. If you're listening to the show, you're probably not a fan of ticks or biting bugs. Many of us can't even enjoy the outdoors because of pests like ticks and mosquitoes. You know, Sarah and I realized this in a very sobering way with her second tick infection. You know, we live in Colorado, one of the most beautiful places in the world, but honestly, we were scared to enjoy it. That's why Tick Wires invites you to come to the green side and join them in the war against ticks. They provide check this out eco-friendly products for you your family pets and yards to reduce damage from ticks and tick bites learn how to safely protect your family and yards and help battle tick-borne illnesses remember ticks will bite year-round in many places to learn how you can enjoy the outdoors again visit tickwarriors.com go to episode 92 to hear the full episode about the products also don't forget this. TickWires is offering a 10% off discount to all first-time purchases. Simply add Lime Voice at your checkout and you get 10% off. Go to TickWires.com today. For nearly two decades, Invita Medical Center has been leading the way with the latest in personalized treatment options designed for patients dealing with Lyme disease complex. At Invita Medical Center, they offer a team-style approach and the latest technology regarding treatment and testing at an unmatched, radical love and care environment for their patients. Call to speak to one of the patient care coordinators today to learn why hundreds of patients choose Invita Medical Center each year. You can find them online at Invita.com. Ready, tick repellent, and I brought mm-hmm. a bottle and gave it to everybody. You know, like it's, but it's it's hard. And I was so sad and so angry for everything that had happened. And I, there were people in my life that I had taken a lot of my upset out on. My girlfriend, now wife, being at the top of that list, just because she was around, and I was mm-hmm. really unhappy for a long time. Um, not because of anything she did, but just because of what was going on with my body. And I couldn't participate in life. I couldn't participate in our relationship. And so it was, it was scary to sort of pick up the pieces and put my life back together and we'll figure out what that looked like and what that was going to look like. And it took years. And I still have like, I, my anxiety is way worse now than it was before I got sick. Way, way worse. And I have to take stuff to sleep every night because I just I cannot fall asleep at all. And, you know, I, yeah, it's challenging for sure. Yeah, it is. And a lot of things that we we don't even realize when we're going through the sucky pit of Lyme, what this is doing, you know, to our sucky psyche. <laughs> it is the sucky pit. <laughs> Totally. I mean, it just, it's it's, so funny. So true. (laughs) It is. I mean, and you don't even realize, like, I mean, obviously you see your body degrading. Like for me, I had seizures when you were talking about not being able to not uh, process what you're watching on TV. I went through a time period where I wasn't able to even watch it because the lights and the movement would trigger a seizure-like episode for me. So I went, I still haven't watched a movie in theaters yet. It's been over a year now. and But I'm to the point where I can watch things on TV, you know, and stuff like that. <clears throat> but you never even realize, like, what a number that's doing on your mental state. The PTSD that you're developing. And I never... 
associated PTSD with really anything outside of veterans and sexual abuse victims. That was kind of my my experience. But I can see it in myself when little things happen, like, like your field incident. That's a totally PTSD trigger for someone with Lyme disease. My sister-in-law a couple of weeks ago picked a tick off of the dog and threw it in the yard in front of me. Oh my gosh. I thought I was going to absolutely rip her head off. And just like, I was like, okay, I have to resist the urge to go look through the grass to find that one tick now. But there's going to be a time like right now to us, it's like crazy that somebody would do that. Right. But, Mm -hmm. but because the seriousness of it and the scope of it is not general information. There's going to be a, a, a moment where either the government decides or someone comes up with a treatment and they're going to make a bunch of money. Something's going to happen where we're going to just hit this point where everyone's going to know and everyone's going to be freaked out and everyone's going to like, like that just stuff just won't happen anymore. But unfortunately, I totally agree with you. Yeah. Until we get to that point, we're going to have to just watch these people basically self-sabotage in front of us, you know? Mm-hmm. And- yeah. And you said something at the conference um, that I really, really identified with that a few years ago, not that Lyme is cool, but people didn't know about it. Oh, it's way cooler now. Yeah, it is. When I first got diagnosed, there was no such thing as Lyme voice and Lyme warrior and all of that. Like, I just had this weird disease that no one else I knew had. Yeah, And And it's come a long way. Like my Mm -hmm. mom started sending me like People Magazine covers with uh, Kelly Osbourne and Shania Twain. And, you know, like you start seeing it in the news. But it's like a very like hip disease now for celebrities right. to have, but it's not actually, it's just a disease that a shit ton of people have, you know, it's like, right. That they're <laughs> just now realizing that it's out there. Like yeah. it's taken this long for it to hit mainstream. Yeah. And, and maybe it's even part of the change in climate within the, uh, let's, I don't want to coin it conspiracy because by God, it's, freaking true but it's the whole climate around Lyme disease in and of itself is changing and we're seeing more unity too we're seeing so I one of the things I said at the conference which I think is really true is like Lyme patients are finding ways to heal themselves because they have to because no one else is going to do it is doing it for them you know Mm -hmm. so because I think you have this really backwards cycle of like well there's not enough funding for it because not many people have it because the test isn't accurate and it's like, well, we can't give funding because there's not that many people have it, but not that many people have it because the test isn't accurate. But why do we need to develop a test? Because not that many people have it. And it's like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever. I, so I just, it's just so sad to me because I get it if like you're a doctor and one, every single patient you have fits into these neat little diagnoses boxes. And then you have one who says a bunch of, crazy shit you've never heard before. And you're like, well, that's got to all be in your head. Have a nice day. Mm -hmm. But I would imagine that these doctors are seeing, especially on the East Coast, are seeing patients like that over and over and over and over again. And every time they can't figure out what's wrong when all of this, when they have this giant amount of symptoms that are the same and all of these, it's just, it can be very frustrating to me. It's infuriating. It really is to see that, the suffering, the the needless suffering, that if it was a disease that there was absolutely no cure for and there was no people going into remission, if this was just a death sentence, you know, it would be a totally different thing. But people can get better from this. Why in the hell are we not getting people better from this? Like, yeah. it's not that difficult. I mean, it's a difficult disease. Yes, 100 percent. It manifest in so many different ways i can understand the puzzling nature but for if i was a doctor and i had a patient that came in and had a laundry list of symptoms and was going okay it's it's affecting your brain but your knees are swelling too you've got brain fog you're fatigued nauseous first thing that would come to my mind oh you probably got Lyme disease if you come in with a laundry list of symptoms you got Lyme. like i'm sorry So I think part of it is the approach to Western medicine, right? So like you would have, it's very common for like, for a a person with all these symptoms, they're like, well, I'll go to a knee specialist because my knees are the size of 
basketballs, right? And then mm-hmm. they're going to try and treat the knee and not take into account the underlying cause. So like, we're unfortunately, Lyme is a systematic illness. And we in Western medicine, we treat individual symptoms without taking into account the underlying cause, which is crazy to me, you know, but also uh-huh. it's, more, it's more complicated. But so, so a big part of it is like educating for me, I, I'm very big on patient advocacy. So like, for me, like if my diagnosis time went from nine months and 15 doctors to one doctor, like, I don't know how much quicker I would have gotten better, but I'm sure it would have been some. And there mm-hmm. are people where it takes two, three, five, ten 10 years for them to be diagnosed. 10 years for me. Totally. And like, yep. that's crazy to me. That's I have more doctors in my phone than I have people that aren't doctors. <laughs> like it is ridiculous. You get to deal my phone. It's just doctor, 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 yeah. doctor, doctor. It's so insane. We, so how can we how can we educate medical professionals so that when they see a patient when a patient comes in, like you said, with a laundry list of symptoms that maybe aren't all the same, but there's some there's there's some that line up. They just right. do. How do they not just immediately go? How do they not just immediately go to that instead of like, well, I don't know, like maybe um, maybe you're stressed. Yeah, of course I'm stressed. You know, of course. Look at my body. I am stressed. So, yeah, my friends and I used to get together. uh, So so one of the things that did really help me was meeting because because it feels so isolating. Like, of course, the, the irony is like from my apartment in Brooklyn, like if I had gone a mile in any direction, there were probably 10 people who were dealing with something similar just because there's so many people that have it in New York, but it feels so isolating. Nobody, mm-hmm. no one in my life understands what's going on. My family and friends think I'm nuts. Like nobody mm-hmm. is telling me that it's normal. What's happening to me is normal. And so I found, um, through my doctor's office, I got invited to a dinner and through that I met a, a group of, of people that were around my age that were all dealing with a similar thing. Wow. That's cool. That to me was such a, such a difference in that moment because, you know, I I was, first of all, I was two and a half hours late to this dinner because my mom made me go to this weird doctor in Pennsylvania who told me that he knew exactly what was wrong and he turned out to be completely out of his mind. So I'm, I I have all my stuff and it's the winter. I've got all these layers on. I'm like sweating. I'm fresh. I'm annoyed at my parents. And I like take off all these layers and I walk into the room and I see all these people. And I was like, Oh, you guys all have Lyme. And they were just like, yeah, come sit down. And I, and it was such a weight. It just in that moment was such a weight, you know, and throughout that process, they were, we were such a great support system for each other. And we would get together every couple of weeks and, you know, we still have like group text all the time. And I mean, but for a while it was like every single day, you know, and I think for most of us have really gotten better in the last couple of years. And so it's been great to see one of my most amazing, I got married last year and one of the most special moments for me at my wedding was being on the dance floor with all of them and just doing a normal wedding, you know, just like, yeah, because five years ago, that never would have happened, you know, and so it was really special to see the the growth that we had made. Um, and so I think community is, is such a huge part of of getting through it. And I won't even say recovery, but just continuing to to push, you know, like just to live through it. Yeah. And I I because of what I do. And I talk about Lyme at every show I play and inevitably somebody in the audience either has it or their friend has it or something. And I talk to Lyme patients all the time that I have never met before. And it, it usually just comes down to them sharing their stories and me telling them that everything they're going through is normal. And then me repeating, you're not crazy over and over and over and over mm-hmm. again, because that's such a that's one of the biggest problems is like when you have a really smart, well-respected medical professional competently telling you there's nothing wrong. It's really hard to be an advocate for yourself. It's it really, really is. Yeah. I really I think this is a good segue into your song that you played at the conference that almost made this stone heart cry. <laughs> the you are not alone anymore. Can you want to tell us a little bit about how that got started? Because I really like the story that you told behind it. Um, that's good. Cause I don't remember what I said <laughs> at all. I, I started writing, I think I started writing this while I was sick 
I don't know. I just, when I got better, it was like, okay, what am I going to write about now? And there wasn't anything to write about except my experiences. And I just find that, oh, I, that, this is what I said. So many people are suffering all the time. And a lot of them, obviously, physically, and a lot of them have Lyme disease. But a lot of people are just carrying upset and guilt and jealousy and all these things around all the time. And the more that I talk about my experience with Lyme, the more people open up to me about what they're dealing with. And I think it's really important to not pretend that that's not happening or to pretend that that's not happening. Um, and so this, I wrote, you're not alone anymore, kind of for me, like as a therapeutic exercise for me. And uh, my wife and I got invited to attend uh, a, a conference in Amsterdam for patients with Lyme disease. And I, they asked me if I would play and I had all these songs I was going to play. And then right before I went on, I was like, maybe I should try. You're not, maybe I should play. You're not alone anymore and see what happens, you know? And the response was really amazing. And, um, it's a really special song to me. I don't get to play it that often because it's, I only want to play it in, in like safe spaces where people sort of understand, you know? Um, but anyway, I'll stop stalling. I'll play it for you. Okay, go ahead. I'm really looking forward. This is going to be a special treat for our listeners. <laughs> Live music, guys. Yeah, I'm going to take, take my headphones off, so I won't be able to hear anything. Okay. Enjoyed that. 
There we go. Thank you so much for that. <laughs> no, it's totally fine. Thank you so much for that. That the one part in there that gets me every time you sing it is um, when you feel like there isn't a cure, when you're not going to get like that whole feeling of you can get so stuck in it. And it doesn't matter if you are an upbeat person and one of those, I won't use the, I almost use the phrase I use all film for it. One of those inspiration people that are yeah. just the bubbly and all of that. It doesn't matter. There's still going to be those days and those times where you feel like this is just my sucky life now. Yeah. And that sucks. <laughs> I remember it was actually right before I, I got better. Uh, my dad called me and he was like, listen, you know, we've, we've, we've been talking about it and no one wants to say this to you, but you know, like you might just need to learn how to like go on with your life dealing with this. And I was like, if you had any idea, if you had any idea what this was actually like, you would never say that, you know, he he was trying to be supportive, but like, you just would, that would never even be a thought, you know? And, and I, and my mom used to say, like, Jesse, I feel like you're just spending so much time trying to convince us that there's something wrong with you. And it was only like a, two years later after I got better. And it took me a really long time to forgive my parents. So, you know, mm-hmm. like I was really mad at them for a long time. And I finally I remember calling my mom and being like, I just had a thought like I never lied to you about anything. I never got in trouble when I was a kid. I never did anything bad. We had a really great relationship. Like, why would I be lying about this? Right. And part of it was like, they really had put their faith in these, like in like these old doctors in Western medicine doctors. And then part of it was, especially for my dad, like he just could not handle the reality of it. So for him, it was just like easier to just check out and be like, yeah, he'll be fine. Everything's fine. You know, It wasn't until like I I went home for Thanksgiving one year, I lost like a ton of weight, you know, and I I, like 40 pounds or something from being sick, all the medicine I was taking, whatever. And I was like gray, you know, like Mm. totally washed out. And I walked in for Thanksgiving and my my dad's mother came in and she just looked at me and she just started sobbing. She was like, she was like, what is going on? Something is wrong. And I turned to my parents and I was like, this is how serious this actually is, mm-hmm. but they just couldn't get it. It was really hard. you know. I think it's hard for parents, especially that because <clears throat> my parents have seen me uh, deal with health problems my whole life. And I was in remission for about 17 months. So in their head, Lyme disease was something that I just, I would eventually get better from. And I'd already, I had healed before. So of course I would Sure. Yeah, I, I knew how to do it this time. So almost two years into my relapse and I'm about 40 percent. But there, you know, it's still this struggle to I know I got better before. But, guys, it's not that easy. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, I mean, it, it's really not. <laughs> but that's just that's just a matter of education. Right. Like when I right. when I when I left the Marson Center for the first time and called my mom and, you know, I was like, they think I have this. She was like, oh, thank God it's not cancer, right? Like you hear mm-hmm. that so often. Um, yeah. And on one hand, absolutely. And on the other, I was like, no, that doesn't mean that we're done. You know, right. Like, so it's, yeah, that's really common. Personally, and I've said it before, I went through a non-Hodgkin's lymphoma diagnosis and um, had two surgeries and all of that to remove some tumors in my chest before my Lyme diagnosis. Hindsight, I think it was Lyme disease that had kind of triggered this shutting down of my immune system, especially since it was lymphoma. If it would have been a different cancer, I would be more prone to just think, okay, I had the breast cancer gene or what have you. But with this one, specifically for my lymph nodes, it really makes me think that it was Lyme then. And I can honestly tell you, being somebody that's gone through both, I would rather go through cancer because the community. (laughs) You can't say that to to people. No, you can't. I can because I've done both. It's like a fat person calling another person fat. It's okay. (laughs) (laughs) 
but, but, but so, because of the community, because when yeah. when I had that diagnosis, I went to the clinics. I went to West Clinic. There were people that, you know, there were volunteers that knew what you were going through and they were so kind and so compassionate. I never had to explain why I didn't feel well. I didn't have anyone questioning if I was faking it. Nothing like that. Like that part of it. Heck yeah, I'd choose that over the way that well, Lyme is treated. We, we're only going to get there, right? Like there's no right. way there's no way we can't because eventually there's going to be so many people that like you can't ignore it, right? There's just going to be a tipping point. for the, There has to be. There just has to be. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I mean, there was the projections they said at the conference that over a million people within seven years are going to be diagnosed with Lyme disease. Yeah, not That's a ton un- of people. Not including the undiagnosed people who don't know. Right. Other. And also it's more than that because it's four. it was 428,000 two years ago. And it's only yeah, going and we, up. And with the inaccurate testing, my goodness, there could be a million people diagnosed, you know, that have it every year that are not diagnosed. I think it's more, but I'm not basing that on anything Easily. other than everywhere I go, I meet people who are sick. It's it's tons of people. I mean, you never once you get involved with the activism side of it and the advocacy, you realize it's everywhere. But also like so I went to Chicago to play at a Lyme conference and I was with the head researcher for Global Lyme Alliance and also uh, one of their big fundraise, like, uh, donor support people. And I was saying to them, like, you don't understand this is everywhere. And they were like, yeah, totally. We know. And I was like, no, no, you don't understand. So we called an Uber and I was in the front seat and they were in the back seat. And I turned to the driver cause she asked where we were going. And I, we told her, and I said, um, do you have any, do you or anyone in your life? Like, are you tired all the time? Not feeling well, fevers, headaches, nausea. And she was like, Oh, uh, yeah. Like my sister was diagnosed with lupus and my cousin was diagnosed with fibromyalgia. And this other person was diagnosed with adult, uh, childhood rheumatoid arthritis. I turned Mm -hmm. around and I was like, see, and I was Mm -hmm. like, has Lyme disease ever come up in your, in amongst your family? She was like, nope, never. I even brought it up when I was in the hospital. The first, actually the second surgery I had to, um, test the tumors, uh, I brought up Lyme disease. And I was like, hey, do you think it could be Lyme? I read this article, you know, and it sounds a lot like me. And the doctor literally laughed and said, it's not this far south. Yeah. And I had just moved back from Washington State, New York State, and Pennsylvania. So come on. I lived in Pennsylvania and New yeah. York State. Like, tell me I was not the way that it was just. But, I mean, this was. Oh, good God, probably 15 years ago. So it was foo-fooed away much quicker then. But that's just a doctor literally not knowing, right? I don't right. think that's a, I don't think that doctor is a stupid person. No, it's a it's an ignorance thing. It's right. just the lack of knowledge. It's not that it was malicious or anything yeah. like that. I don't think that most of the doctors have it out for the Lyme community and just don't want a diagnosis. They yeah. just don't know. So I think, I think training doctors is really important. And then also a big thing. Um, so I'm part of a group called Generation Lime, And our goal is to uh, just basically build a community for young people. So teenagers to, you know, like young professionals. And one of the things that I that that I've really experienced, especially because I work a lot with schools, is like uh, Young people will be sick, but they won't know that they're sick. They'll just think that like, oh, this is what being a teenager is supposed to feel like, or this is what going through puberty is supposed to feel like or something. Um, or they they do know something's wrong, but their parents don't think there is. And like when I was 20, I got sick when I was 26. So my parents could think I was crazy, but I could still go to a doctor. Mm-hmm. When you're 14, yeah. when you're 13, 14, like you can't go to a doctor without your parents. Right. And so it's really important to educate parents especially in places like Pennsylvania and New York and Connecticut and everywhere really because that 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 does a major disservice to the children because their parents are ignorant and then they don't want to admit that there's something wrong right but I, but I also like you know I got married last year I'm 33 my wife and I are going to want to have a family at some point and like the stuff that keeps me up at night is like am I going to give this to my kids are my kids going to have this? How am I going to let them play outside? How, like, how am I going to, like, how am I going to do that? How I'm going to have to, but how, 
I know? don't even let my cats play outside. So totally. God help if I had any children. Yeah, and <laughs> like, that, that's really scary. And I, yeah. like, I'm, I'm literally hoping that we just like figure this stuff out by the time we decide to start having kids. You know? I think we're a lot closer after talking to some of the researchers and scientists we have lately. I think we are a lot closer than we have been ever. I really do. Yeah. There's some great research coming out. Speaking of, where are you getting your inspiration lately? What music's motivating you? What books? Are you cognitively there where you're reading? Are oh, you yeah, reading? yeah. Okay. So I've, I've been reading a lot recently, actually. My, uh, my high school friends and I are doing a book club for the new Malcolm Gladwell book, which is called Speaking to Strangers, which was really interesting. I actually just, I'm like about halfway through with that one. Very interesting. Yeah, it's good. Um, I've been listening to a lot of um, musicals recently, actually. So one of the things that I have been working on for the last like year and a half is a musical based on my Lyme experience and just how that impacts not only me, but other people and that story and that journey. And um, so I've been listening to a lot of Dear Evan Hansen, which I'm obsessed with, and uh, Waitress, the Sarah Bareilles musical, um, because I really think that it's a great time to start telling these stories. And um, yeah, I just want to impact. I would just want as many people as possible to see it so that I can try and literally just save people's lives, you know? So I'm really, really geeking out over this idea of a line musical. <laughs> <laughs> like, so, you just kind of threw that brilliance out there. Like, but, it's no big deal. But I, hang on. <laughs> but that's that's the question is, like, would it be better if I didn't call it Lyme and if I made up some random name for a fake disease and did that? Right. But, you know, and that's the world that we live in is like. But then I also kind of like the idea of people writing it off because then I can yell at them uh, and that would make me happy. Um, but that was a big thing. Like, do I call it Lyme or do I make up some other name so that it doesn't get political or I don't know, that's way far down the road, but it's something that I've been thinking about, but I just, but it's not just like, yeah, yes, it is about Lyme, but it's like just so many people are dealing with stuff and, and it's also about the impact that it has on other people, right? Like mm -hmm. my, what, one of the most amazing things that has come out of my sickness is when my wife and I get to present together at a Lyme conference and people, me saying like, I used to be sick and I'm not anymore there. You can find people that do that for my wife to stand up there and for us to be up there together and be like, everything seems great now, but it was a total shit show for a really long time. And it wasn't always great. And it wasn't always pretty. And we fought a lot and it, like that for caregivers is amazing because it's really hard to be a caregiver too. It's hard to be a parent. It's hard to be a loved one, boyfriend, girlfriend, significant other. I mean, I tried to break up with her like a hundred times. Our relationship was like me being angry and her bringing me dinner and me yelling at her and me like just being uh, unhappy. You know, it's just, mm -hmm. so I don't know. I, I just think it's important to, so if I can, in the show also, if I can, in the musical show, how it impacts other people, you know, it takes a, a, a lot of people. It took a lot of people to get me from through that, you know, a lot of people suffered and I missed out on a lot of really important things and I ruined a lot of really important things. And I, and I didn't care because I was so self-focused because I have to. Well, you're, you're in such fight or flight mode yeah. that you can't. I mean, I didn't have the energy. I, I just, when I got sick again, I completely disappeared off the planet. Mm -hmm. I was um, working at a pharmacy and I was bartending on Bill Street and just having a freaking blast going to nursing school, the whole nine yards. I got sick again and the rug was pulled out from under me total panic mode just stopped everything okay so that part of my life is all over i have to focus on this right here right now and it's all i had the energy to do yeah and it just it happens like that it's really cool to see somebody else that has sustained remission though how long have you been in remission yeah since like um the end of 2015 that is awesome yeah that gives me so much hope uh, so much because after going through the thick of it for about 10 years and then getting 17 good months and then to get sucked back in for now about two years, it's really refreshing to see somebody that 
is four years post. Yeah. Because you don't you don't get that a lot. I mean, on Sunday, um, I'm going to run the New York City Marathon for Lyme disease research for the fourth time. Right. Like that is amazing. That is absolutely amazing. And I'm not as fast as I was before, <laughs> but, it's, um, but it's to me that it's like such an honor to represent the Lyme community because there are so many people who can't even get out of bed, let alone. Right. Like There's the no way I could run that. it. Exactly. Like the <laughs> idea of doing that when I was sick was like the furthest thing from my mind. So for me, it's really an emotional day, too. But, yeah, I've, I've been really fortunate and um my yeah, I, I, for the most part, I'm. I feel great. I mean, I'm still a mess, but I aren't we great. all though? I mean, I feel like <laughs> I feel like if I ever get quote normal, eh, there's going to be some problems. Like yeah. I just don't think that my brain will function normal. <laughs> I, yeah, you know, because because I remember a big part of it was like, oh, I just got to get my life back to the way it was before. I just got to get my life back to the way it was before. But you're not the same person anymore. And you're not at all. So it's it, and I remember having to give that up it was very difficult because I really liked my life in 2012, you know. And I have a time period of my life that's been on a pedestal, and it's about a year, you know, like a year time period where the like peak physical condition was working out all the time, getting to go, I could actually shower and then go out and not be too tired. It was amazing, yeah. <laughs> you know, and. You have to get through that process where you can, whatever time period in your life you built up on a pedestal, the one that's coming can be so much greater. Yeah. Like, I mean, getting to travel around and talk to different Lyme uh, conferences and your music and things like that, that's awesome. I really hope you do the musical thing. I am <laughs> stoked about that. You'll come I actually see know it. somebody. Yes. And I actually know somebody on Broadway right now. Nice. So I will definitely get you her name there you go she's a very talented young woman awesome um but it was such a joy to speak with you jesse and i loved i knew this was going to be great love your personality thank Just you much love this was awesome thank, thank you, you for so having me is um so how can people get in contact with you let's drop some of those social media handles yeah i'm super easy to find uh jessierubin.com Jesse Rubin on Instagram and Twitter, Jesse Rubin Music on Facebook. Uh, I play shows all the time. I talk about Lyme at every show. I am so amazed by anyone who's listening to this. You're my hero because that just means you haven't given up yet. And I think that's amazing. Um, and I just really hope that we can move the uh, move the cause forward and make a big difference in the next couple of years and one of the things we got, I got interviewed at the conference and it was like, where do you hope to see the Lyme community in three years? And I was like, I hope everyone's just better and we don't have to deal with this shit anymore. You know? Right. I uh, wanted to get to a point where people say I had Lyme disease. Now I'm better. Yeah. Where it's just uh, like having the flu. Like, yeah, I had Lyme disease. Yeah. No big deal. I'm good now. Mm -hmm. I wanted to get to that point. And together we're going to get it to that. I mean, you cannot, the, the strong voices that are coming out of the community and rising lately, especially in the last three, four years, you are not going to be able to silence those people, number yeah. one, because they're pissed off and fired up and ready to take on the world. And number two, you can't ignore groups of people like this together. Yeah. You can't. Totally. So. I appreciate all that you're doing and look forward to your musical and more music and everything Perfect. to come. Well, thank you for having me. You're awesome. And thank if there's you anything so I can do, let me know. We will, definitely. Good. Hey, Lion Voice listeners. We love bringing these episodes to you every week. If you would like to help us and support us, there's several ways you can do that. Those are all listed at limevoice.com. And if you look there, there's ways you can donate even as little as $1. Any would be appreciated to help continue to get the message out, to help fight, heal, and live. Thanks again. Hey, Lime Voice Warriors. Just wanted to tell you about our friends over at Oval Dogs Coffee. They're a family-owned roastery right in Rio Rancho, New Mexico. 
Oval Dogs Coffee uses some of the best coffee from around the world, grown by dedicated farmers. Oval Dogs Coffee cares about people and the amazing things that people can do when they're affirmed, nourished, and inspired. Learn more at OvalDogs.com. Go to OvalDogs.com to order your coffee and have it delivered right to your door. Oval Dogs Coffee, loyal to the cup. about a book I wrote called Little Bite Big Trouble and I'm going to read a review that recently came in this is from Carolyn and she says thank you so much for writing your book it has become the means by which I have explained Lyme to my four-year-olds they asked for it to be read as a bedtime story over and over again and love that the mama birdie does yoga and juicing like their mommy <laughs> I can't thank you enough for writing this book it has helped my family so much you can find it today at Amazon.com, Little Bite, Big Trouble. Disease is contrary to life. Therefore, wherever disease exists, life must also fight to exist. Good job fighting, Lyme fighters. Keep it up. We'll see you next time. Lime Voice contains general information about medical conditions and treatments. The information is not advice and should not be treated as such. Okay, Lincoln? Okay. The medical information on Lime Voice is provided as is without any representations, warranties, expressed or implied. Okay? Okay. Lime Voice makes no representations or warranties in relation to the medical information on this podcast. You must not rely on the information on this podcast as an alternative to medical advice from your doctor or other professional health care provider. If you have any specific questions about your medical matter, you should consult your doctor or other professional health care provider. And for you, you consult your parents, okay? Okay. If you think you may be suffering from any medical condition, you should seek immediate medical attention. You should never delay seeking medical advice, disregard medical advice, or discontinue medical treatment because of information on this podcast. Got it, Lincoln? Got it.